This is Space Cats Peace Turtles, the unofficial podcast for Fantasy Flight's Twilight Imperium. Episode 30, Gen Con Interview with Blarknob. Music by Ben Prunty, featuring Matt Martins and Hunter Donaldson. Welcome to Tournament Talk, serious Twilight Imperium discussion, sports analyst, Hunter Donald. <laughs> Come on down to sports radio time, we're here with Hunter and Matt. Monday Night Twilight. <laughs> Monday Night Twilight. Are you ready for some Twilight? Alright, so this is the serious sports tournament interview with the serious sports interview guy and that's us and i'm here with jerry carey brother of harry carey we're here to oh talk to the game of, yeah we're <laughs> oh, gonna, don't force we're me gonna to rehash do. i'm not no you're jerry you don't have to do a harry oh, okay, carey voice right, this is right. his brother jerry all right we're here at uh the yeah but now you've kind of invited mechatol stadium <laughs> mechatol stadium uh i wish we had um any knowledge of real sports. Yeah, that actually would be useful for doing a sports bit. Yeah. Having any sort of knowledge about sports and yeah. how it works, like what they do with the ball. Yeah. Like, is the ball like a command counter that they spend to do an action, and the action is like, you action know... to score. Or to tackle, yeah, or right. like whatever. Right. Yeah, right. no, we don't get it. Hockey, we like hockey. We like hockey, don't we? <laughs> we do love hockey. We do, boy. That's boy, not really true, actually. We like I don't, it. When, I don't watch it anymore. No, I don't watch it at all. Uh, we've even got a channel in our Discord that's just called Hockey or whatever. Yeah, and I don't. I it, it is muted. That's for other people, not for. <laughs> that us. is, you know, who does take part in uh, oh, takes good. in the hockey we talk. We found our way. We in. found our transition. Blarknob is our guest today. We did a we did a lovely little interview with Michael uh, today. We, because he's the king of sports, uh, he is also the king of the Gen Con tournament. Uh, and the signups for the Gen Con tournament are next week. They're on Sunday, May 6th. You guys can sign up for the Gen Con tournament. If mm-hmm. you're already signed up, get, get signed up for Gen Con first. But then here we go. It's, it's time, folks. If you want to be in our Gen Con video. Yeah, if you want to meet me and oh, Matt. stop it. It's a meet. It's a fan it's, meetup. Boy, it's all about us, isn't it? <laughs> it is. No. It's. If you want to get to play with me and Matt watching you, <laughs> me and Matt are going to watch you, if you play. Want to, if you want to be in a situation where we observe you quietly from the corner mm-hmm. and then and film in, you and awkwardly interview you, here's your chance, folks. It's not going to be awkward. I've never been awkward in my life ever. <laughs> Even when I was born. Came out just, how's it going, Mom? <laughs> Yeah, my first, thanks for everything. My my first words were, "What's up?" <laughs> hey, everybody! Pew, 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 guns. Good to be out. <laughs> Man, I've been I've been doing time for nine months in there. Let me tell you, it's rough. What's a, weird about this intro is that we don't have to record an episode after this, so yeah. I feel like we're going long we're on going the intro, long on which the intro. is bad. But yeah, I'm gonna edit it out. Somewhere. That's good. I'm That's gonna, good. I'm going to find one of these bits there was that was an worth intro losing. Uh, we had a very good conversation with Michael. We did. Um, 
loved talking to the guy. If you any longtime listeners will probably recognize Blargnob from yeah, or any longtime fans of Ti. Yeah, I mean, if you've been a part of forums for the past any amount of time, you have had some sort of encounter. That's with true. Blargnob. That's true. Um, He's probably played more than. Dare I say, Christian T. Peterson. He's probably played probably, more. I don't even think has ever played the game. No, probably not. <laughs> um, he <laughs> he uh, he runs the Gen Con tournament. Uh, he has played a lot of TI. Has a lot of experience with TI. And as with us at the tournament, we will not be taking part. Um, but we wanted to sit down with him and get our heads wrapped around what the tournament would be like what to expect, uh, kind of his experience with the game as well. Just kind of meet Blarknob a little bit because for all intents and purposes, it's kind of his brainchild. To, to yeah. us, him, him and his brother and some of his friends or whatever, there were sort of tournaments before they took over, but never in a like, no, we are dedicated to making this happen. So uh, we wanted to figure out how all that came to be. So what you're about to listen to is that interview with Blarknob. I did want to say off the top there was one thing that he... Uh, forgot to mention in the interview that he wanted to make sure was included in there was that, um, like we said, the signups are May 6th. Mm-hmm. There are two different events that you will have to sign up for. Both of those are the two preliminary rounds. So there's one on Thursday. There's one on Friday. If you want to be a part of the tournament, one of those two events is the ones you want to look for. So if you see one and it is filled up, do not think that the other one is definitely already filled up. There are two separate events that you might need to sign up for. That also means do not sign up for both of them. Right. You will earn yourself two positions, and they will have to fix that, and that won't be good. So one one of the preliminary rounds, the winners get 3D-printed Warsun trophies um, in gold, silver, and glow-in-the-dark. Those wow. are the, Those are the three prizes for the top three winners of the championship game. Wait, so does third place get glow-in-the-dark? That's the coolest one, right? That's I just the, want that. Everybody's going to gun for third. Right. Now, maybe, maybe first place gets first choice. Uh, I don't know. I'm I'm inserting myself into this right. problem that Blarknob will have to fix. Well, that's awesome. Three D three D printed Warsun trophies. It's pretty awesome. Uh, yeah. They're bigger than like a normal Warsun. It's like a. It is a legitimate like. Here's. It's the a size cool of thing. an actual. It's the size Warsun. of a, a real Warsun. In fiction, you will have to buy Which, a new crazy, planet. Um, yeah. Right. Well, actually, no. What's crazy is in fiction, Warsuns are actually only the size of beach balls. Weird. I did. That's I never had read that. True. That's amazing. Yeah. Don't really look at the concept art. That's all lies. That's all lies. They're just little beach balls that, that can destroy float. a planet. Yeah. And so that's why they're really scary because it's like, oh, I thought I saw. You a never little, saw it coming. A little ball. Yeah. Yeah. So let's uh, let's quit rambling. They can sustain damage. Thank you. <laughs> In that way, they are better than a beach ball. Yes. So let's let's cut. Let's shut the hook up and let's get over to our interview. How's it going, Michael? How you doing, buddy? I am doing great. Good, glad to hear it. Uh, if, for for those of for those that are listening now and don't know, Michael is known as Blarknob. We've referred to him a lot on the podcast. Let's let's do similar to what we did with Dane. Uh, Michael, tell us about your your history with Twilight Imperium and just kind of like where you're coming from. Well, I, I have a long storied history with Twilight Imperium. <laughs> uh, I've been playing with my brother and various friends uh, f- since first edition. Right. Wow. So we, we started playing first edition, yeah, like way back. Like uh, I think that would put me in high school. We played occasionally all the way through second ed. I've got some crazy stories from second ed. Mm-hmm. Third edition came out. I had a group of real close college friends, and we started playing more or less weekly from then on. From the release so got, of TI3 forward. Pretty much, yeah. 
yeah, so I, I've been I've been blessed with a group of regular gamers. Uh, we've been playing TI3 regularly for a million jillion years. Yeah, wow, <laughs> yeah. I'm kidding. And we've got a setup that lets us leave the game up. Oh, I at see. My one friend's place, so we can we can play over multiple nights, and that's you can walk away from it and come back. Gotcha. We started tournament play uh, completely out of luck. So one year at Gen Con, I'd been attending Gen Con for many years. Uh, I'm a big Magic the Gathering. Uh, player, okay. and I'd been going almost purely to play Magic the Gathering, but we we had this history of playing Twilight Imperium, and we saw that Fantasy Flight had actually registered a tournament event. Whoa! Right? Do you know what year ish this was? Uh oh, man, I'd put this maybe ten years ago. Okay, yeah. Ti Ti three came out. Ti three came out two thousand five. So you've been playing weekly for thirteen years. Let's just go ahead and put that out there. That's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's completely ridiculous. <laughs> it is. It is. We we are outliers to the extreme yeah. of that. That's for sure. Um. So uh, yeah. Some some amount of years after that, they decided to do their own tournament. Yeah. Well, the thing is, they didn't actually decide to do a tournament. I see. Whoever had registered the event had misregistered it in the Gen Con system <laughs> as a tournament. Uh, All right? It was supposed to just be a pickup game, just a fun game of TI. Yes, yes. So Fantasy Flight, they have all of these just pickup games right. that they run all weekend right. in their area. And whoever had registered the event had misregistered it oh as a tournament. Gosh. So my brother and I and all these other people show up expecting to play a tournament, and Fantasy Flight has to open, like, ten boxes of product. <laughs> Okay, to support this thing, you know, so they they took they took a big bite on that. Yeah, ran the tournament just completely ad hoc. By the seat of their pants, How are we gonna yeah. run it? Right. Yeah, I don't know. We'll run it. <laughs> uh, we were literally, you know, this is TI three, so we're literally popping ships out of wow, the sprues yeah. in order to set up for the tournament. Oh my gosh! Uh, and so we had this super fun experience at this total ad hoc yeah, tournament. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Fantasy Flight had some promo plastics that they had printed in years previous. They had gold, silver, and glow-in-the-dark wow. plastic pieces, <laughs> right? So we got these sets of plastic pieces, which just was super cool. Right. So after that experience, we were always looking for Twilight Imperium tournaments in years following. Yeah. And we didn't hit another one. I think, yeah, Fantasy Flight ran one more, uh, and then the one that uh, we played in together, right? Yeah, right, right. So the, the story there is I went to Gen Con in like 20... 14, I believe. Yeah, that sounds right. And that was a year that it was organized just by this random guy, and he was, like, implementing all these house rules, and it was, like, yeah. very weird. Like, it, it was basically not really set up as a tournament, but it was, like, in lieu of any other tournament. It was like, well, we'll do... We'll try to throw something together just to have it. It was, it was TI3 with... All the options. Right. Every single <laughs> right? thing included. Mercenaries, political intrigue. Yeah, yeah. All of it, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was it was all the rules, uh, plus some house rules. <laughs> right. Some weird thing with one of the Distant Suns tokens. It was a final front. There's was, the final frontier token. It's final frontiers. That's right. There's the yeah. space pirates, and you have to fight against the Dreadnought. He, he had a house rule where if you don't kill the Dreadnought, it accrues a trade good every single <laughs> round, and someone else can yeah. sweep in and kill the Dreadnought and win all of its trade goods which wow. is like okay he's just where did that even come i know from? what are you talking yeah, about it was like, so strange it was this it was this like mountain of additional rules mm -hmm. weight for like the narrowest of things yeah it was so out there so I, i've i've had these great experiences at the at the gen con tournaments yeah and my brother and i sat down after this and decided you know 
these haven't been happening consistently in JEDCON, and we'd like that to happen, and we'd like to implement uh, a couple of things that would make the game a little more stable and a yeah. little more suited for tournament play. Right. So we contacted a friend of mine who's been running events at Gen Con with a group called Rogue Judges. They've been doing it for years and years, so like we had this base of support for the running of events and yeah. this group of guys who've been doing this for a long time very well that we could just slot right into and start running our event. Let's get let's skip ahead to like now. For, let's talk about for those listening that are interested in this year's uh, TI4 tournament at Gen Con. Um, what what is I guess first off to a certain extent just like what is Gen Con like? Because a lot of people maybe have never been to a board gaming convention but like are really into TI4 now and, and want to come. So Maybe if you can lay out for us, how does someone sign up for your TI tournament? How do they uh, how do they get into it? What's the structure of it going to be? So what do they have to do to win the whole thing? How many rounds do they have to yeah. go through everything? What's just kind of like the structure and the timing of this whole, uh, this year's uh, event? Like the first thing you have to do to register for the tournament is get a Gen Con badge. Mm-hmm. So you, you can't go without having a Gen Con badge and being a Gen Con attendee. So you go to their website, you get yourself a badge, and then you register for one of the qualifying rounds. So we have two qualifying rounds across the week. We're playing Thursday morning at 8 a.m. and Friday morning at 8 a.m. Okay. So if you're if you're not good with early hours, might not want to do right. it. Yeah. We get started bright and early on Thursday and Friday so that we have the time we need. The event registration opens May 6th. If you want to go look at the events, you can. Event listings are available as of last week, and registration uh, for events opens May 6th. Gotcha. So from there, you're signed up. You got to get whatever kind of housing you can get in Indianapolis, which can be kind of a chore in its own right. Um, Yes, it can. (laughs) So let's say I signed up for the Thursday morning game. What can I expect from the structure of this turn? How many qualifying rounds are there? What does it lead to? When is the championship, et cetera? So there's only one qualifying round. So all you have to do to make it to the championship is win one game. Thursday and Friday morning will each have three tables. So you show up Thursday morning. We'll have... All of our players who have registered for the Thursday morning qualifier, we will split you up in randomly into three games and give you random seating. So the winner of each qualifying game goes to the championship game on Saturday. Uh, that is Saturday at one o'clock. And each game actually has a, the qualifying games have a six hour time frame. If we are not finished at the end of six hours, we will call the time immediately. So mm-hmm. one of our GMs will be sitting there with the watch, and right when we hit that six-hour limit, we'll call the game and go to tiebreakers for gotcha. the winner. And that's that's going standard TI rules, as if we'd revealed the final objective, or we needed to reveal the final objective and couldn't. That's just whatever order we're in. That's right. So it'll be the Imperium Rex tiebreaker rules yeah. okay. right at time. So like if you're in the middle of saying something and doing an action and time calls... Too bad. We're going to tiebreakers. Yeah. Too bad. Um, but that that's not the case for the championship game, correct? No, that's not the case for the championship. The championship we have essentially until Gen Con kicks us out right. of the yeah. year. 
Which, for people who don't know, Gen Con itself runs 24 hours a day. So that's literally we have until end of day right. Sunday to finish that. So <laughs> I think we'll be all right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and we do tend to finish these games faster than your kitchen table games will yeah. finish. Because there's a moderator, uh, right? There's someone kind of keeping flow of game. That's correct. Uh, we've got three of us running the tournament, myself, uh, my brother, and my friend Patrick. And you'll have one of us as a GM at each game. Uh, we do our best to keep the turns running smoothly. Uh, we will, you know, make sure everyone knows whose turn it is, when turns have passed, and we're also there to act as referees. So whenever there's a rules question, we will be the final answer on it. Dope, dope. Could you could you take us through like the the game setup, like as far as like picking factions and like you said, everybody's already assigned like a random seating order uh but could you take us through like galaxy creation and faction picking and stuff like that for each of the games this year at least being our first year running twilight imperium fourth edition uh we won't be doing anything custom right so we're gonna we're gonna do as much as we can by the book uh and we will observe and and see how things go if we need to change things in the future right but as it stands now, we'll be doing random seating. We'll do a random initial speaker. That initial speaker will get first pick on factions. Second guy uh, in order will get second pick on factions. That's right. After we've got our factions, uh, we'll build the board according to the book. So it'll be the competitive yeah. board setup. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, I, th- I think that's a good way to go, too, just considering, like you said, the very first year, I mean, we've only, and no one has had the game longer than, like, f- what, five months now? So it's like, it's not like any of us have, like, perfected any sort of method for tournament play. I think it'll take another year before we're really comfortable with what works really well. So I'm, I- I'm glad to see you guys kind of going strictly by the book and, and seeing kind of where the kinks fall into place after that yeah we 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 sat down like we last year running the ti3 tournament they announced ti4 on us (laughs) we were just super excited and everything and it was like oh man oh man how are we going to do this right uh but we we definitely went in we wanted to do it fairly conservatively this year and then anything that comes out and stands out as a problem after this year we'll address and we may we may do some things to make the faction selection a little more exciting yeah yeah uh in, in coming years, but but that'll that'll all be for the future, <laughs> right? So so jumping off of that, then we, we kind of have all the all the info then about this year's tournament. Let's kind of dig into some of that other stuff, so that maybe people who can't go to Gen Con this year but will want to go in the future, maybe they can get an idea of what future iterations could be like. Can you run me through maybe some of the house rules that you guys did do for the TI three tournaments, or just like different organizational things you guys did to kind of fix some of the problems of TI3 and whatnot, or, or what your rule set was. Yeah, sure. Uh, so a, a few of the things we had to address in a tournament setting, uh, one of them simply being playtime, right? So Twilight Imperium is a long game, mm-hmm. and we have to fit it into a con with a limited time slot. Right. And the, the our, our initial time slot, actually, for TI3 was a five-hour slot. Yikes. Especially with TI3. TI4, that's possible, but TI3, that that is like yeah, a, no way. a trial. <laughs> yeah, we had to be pretty aggressive with uh, changing the game to make it fit. Yeah. Right? So, so one of the things that we did, uh, we used the Shattered 
Empire strategy cards. Of course, the white cards. That's right. And we replaced bureaucracy with Imperial 2. Yes. 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 That is my favorite. Yeah, that is that is the best way to play TI 3, yeah. for sure. So what that allowed for, we also played uh, with the objectives revealed from the start. Right. That's, yeah, I love, I, honestly, I want to get, I wouldn't mind eventually getting into doing that with TI4. I'm not interested in doing it for a while, but it was a different game to play that Age of Empire variant, all the objectives revealed. Yeah, Age of Empire, it, it's a much more, much more planning. Yeah, it's a way more strategic game. Yeah, and you get those huge swings and points because someone can, with Imperial 2, with the old TI3, right. could get like seven points in a round out of nowhere. Right, yeah. And, and that's that's the kind of stuff that would happen in the tournament. Like, you could have a game end like that. And in a setting where we only have so many hours to play, that's a great way to play. As right, long as exactly. everyone... And they all signed up for a tournament, so our assumption is you're on board to play this to win. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. No one, no one's here for the Distant Suns thematics. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. We're not going to you know, upset someone who's role-playing their faction at a tournament. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> there, there were a bunch of other things we did to, to help reduce the amount of time that the game took to play. Uh, one of the things we did, we went through the agendas and the action cards, and we took anything out that took it really long to resolve. Right. Yeah. Uh, there used to be cards in TI3 that would let you search through the action card deck or search through the yes. agenda deck. Oh, those, yeah. Those yeah. were just out, right? Right. We also took out mystifiers, things that would lead to rules conflicts Which commonly. You know, lot. Even, if, even yeah. if we know how to resolve those rules conflicts, right. just having the conflict adds to the time we would take out cards that that we knew were a problem in that manner in ti3 now we won't be doing that with anything we found in ti4 so far but well it's just a tighter it's a tighter thing right now too right i mean in ti3 especially with both expansions it was just like so many action i mean what 200 plus action cards and like a hundred or more agendas it's a lot to have to sift through how many optional rules were included outside of age of empire because a lot of optional Uh, rules take up time i don't know how i can't remember how many of them saved time yeah not many of them saved time uh we definitely didn't play with the uh the shards of the throne agenda phase that was definitely not in there uh of the options i know we left out space mines we left out leaders we didn't play mercenaries we didn't play you know political intrigue right we definitely left out left out the old promissory notes the implementation there was not 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 fun in a not anywhere close to how good ti4s is (laughs) yeah uh artifacts we did play artifacts they added more points to the pool made the game end faster yeah Any any final frontier tokens for you guys? No. Okay. No. Uh, it was just you know, flip a thing, look up more stuff. It was right. Just a little bit of time for not a lot of game. Not a lot of game uh, for sure. You know, in our personal games, we actually did play with final frontier, but not in the tournament. It was yeah. you know extra setup, just a little extra time. Definitely. We just scratched. We scratched that. Uh, yeah. We only had one house rule in the whole thing, and it was the ways. The way that bombardment interacted with mechanized units. Oh, right. That? Of course, yeah. Where it's like, it doesn't get to target them is, I think, the rules as written. Yeah. Approach, yeah, the right? rules as written, mechanized units were essentially immune to bombardment. Right. And we made that not the case. So you could bombard away mechanized units. I think our other two balance, like patches, we actually took out the old transfabrication tech and the oh, gold yeah. gravity drive tech. We yeah. we didn't we didn't we weren't fond of what 
Gravity Drive and Transfab did to the game. Um, were there any other issues, maybe on like a more meta side? Were, were there any policing things that you guys had to do within games to kind of um, prohibit certain types of player behavior or, you know, and any anything like that that kind of goes outside of the actual rules and systems of the game, but more tournament rules that you guys had to enforce? Yeah, like floor rule kind of things. Yeah. Um, we did have a few occasions where players left uh, mid-game. Oh wow! Uh, Ooh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The last last year of the tournament, we had one guy just leave, uh, and the way we handled that is if we have one player leave, the GM takes over, uh, and if the GM happens to win, then the second place player just gets right gets the, the qualifying seat. Uh, if we have more than that, we'll we'll have to deal with that as it comes. Uh, yeah. I think we'll probably just go straight to tiebreakers at that point because the game would be in an unfinished state. Yeah, what are you going to do? As far as player behavior, that we didn't really have any issues with anyone acting up or anything, but we do reserve the right to uh, disqualify you and kick you out if you behave badly. Uh, Anything, obviously, that goes against the rules of the con. Right. Have you guys ever had um, any issues with, um, like, corroboration or anything like that? You know, just, like, one player opting to not try to strive for victory in an effort to just give someone else the win. Yeah, okay, so the the first year we ran the tournament, we actually gave uh, qualifying seats to both the first and second place seat. We did an eight-player championship, and we did four qualifying games, so the first and second would both make it in. Right. And that immediately led to collusion and we immediately regretted that decision right gotcha (laughs) so so from then on we went with just one winner one seat at the table yeah uh and that got rid of at least that kind of collusion within the table sure yeah as far as policing collusion between players in order to get a seat at the top table um we obviously don't want the whole thing to break down into a game of which group colluded the best to get into the top right Uh, you know (laughs) The, the, the prize isn't really, you know, it's not like we've got this big cash prize or anything, so we don't expect anyone to be that competitive with the collusion metagame. But, you know, we also sit there, and Rogue Judges runs a diplomacy tournament next to us. Oh, gotcha. So we're fully, we're, we're fully aware <laughs> of the effects of collusion right. on a, a tournament. But, but the experience they've had, we're also aware of, of how impossible it is to police. Of course. So... Yeah. Our basic idea is don't to, don't collude too hard. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, and and you know, we're all out there having fun even though we are trying to win. Right? Yeah, right, right. All right. How do you feel about support for the throne then like in in the sphere of like tournament play? Like what what do you think about yeah, it? Yeah. I'm I'm interested to see what's going to happen this year because you know, it it is not against the rules to hand someone that support the throne as their last right. point to win. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if we see a lot of that behavior after this year, we may have to implement some kind of change. Yeah. Uh, but if we don't, we may be fine with it, right? I, th- I feel like the scenario I'm, I would be most afraid of for me is, like you say, in those qualifying rounds, we're getting up to five hours and 55 minutes, and suddenly everyone knows the game's just going to get called because of timing. I feel like you might start to just see support for the thrones thrown all across the table in every direction. And it's just going to become like the yeah. wild west. Yeah, I mean that that could that could certainly be a thing. Uh, and I'm I'm 
I'm kind of I'm tentative and excited to see how that yeah. model develops. Yeah, I'm more interested to see the science of it than like pre-enforce anything. But it is it is kind of like yeah. who knows what these players will decide they're capable of. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. I, I want to see how the how the how the bullets land uh, this year, and and if if there you know is anything that's just way too gamesmanship right. awful, then then we'll address it. But this year, you know, we'll, we'll play them as written and, and yeah. see how it how it plays out. So, looking at kind of TI four rules and, and knowing your history of TI three stuff, is there anything else you? foresee being something that might need to be modified i mean like i wrote down ideas of just like is would you ever consider like banning a faction or anything like that or are there, are there other rules that you're kind of they're they're on ice for you where you're like we'll see how this year goes but in the future i could definitely see us doing new structures to certain things yeah so in our ti3 tournaments we did actually ban a faction uh we banned the Yisserl. Of course. Uh, we, we thought it wasn't <laughs> yeah. fun. Many many players can note how Jolnar are so much better than many other races in TI4, but even that pales in comparison, I feel like, to how good the Yisserl were compared to every other faction in TI3. Yeah, the, their ability to pull off a bubble victory was just, you know, it, it was like you talk about tiers, right? And yeah. they were tier zero. Exactly. And the next faction was, was like tier two. Tier two. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you know what what was the what was the character in Street Fighter that was like crazy and that was completely banned a Akuma oh, or something like that? I don't know. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you can. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so it was like it was like that, and we we banned them. Uh, I don't know that we have that quite yet. Yeah. With uh, Ti four, I mean, I you know. Jolnar are in the danger zone for sure. Sure. But with, that's still with that, a little bit reliant on the tech objectives hitting the table, right? And I think that's the big qualifier. Is yeah. Yasaro could win with any strategy. It didn't matter what the objectives were. They could score any of them because they could do yeah. crazy maneuvers. Jolnar, it's just like, well, if the tech objectives all come out, yeah, Jolnar is going to win. But maybe that won't happen. And so you kind of... That's a tough That's a tough call. Yeah, yeah. And, and hopefully... Uh, We'll just address that with faction selection. You know, right. we we can do like a a, a MOBA style banning exactly. drafting thing or, Boy, or something hope, like I that. I hope that is something the community at large can come to some sort of agreement on. I think that's going to be like one of Hunter and I's like big goals over the next year is just like let's push for some sort of communal agreement on what. Yeah, the, like what is the TI answer to that? Yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that could be incredibly fun, particularly in the tournament setting. Definitely. Like, see, seeing, you know, how that plays out. Like, you know, how, what factions am I banning? What faction am I, am I selecting? What that process looks like, particularly with any additional content that may, might come from Fantasy Flight sure, with yeah. more factions. As, as that tableau of factions grows... What does that process look like? I, yeah. I think I think that that's going to be really fun to see in the future. But this year again, it's just by the book. First come, first serve. Get lucky, get first pick. See how it rolls. Yeah. So um, to kind of start branching away a little bit, I was just, we, we have talked about you a lot on the podcast, and of mm-hmm. course you're you're very vocal in our Discord and on you know the subreddit and stuff like that. So I feel like a lot of yeah. of fans have some sort of an encounter with you, but I feel like it would be nice to maybe now, 
I feel like we've got all the tournament stuff out of the way. Let's let's take a moment and let's get to know the real Blark Knob. Let's learn who, who is Michael and what's his deal. Um, so just to kind of quickly, uh, how would you say, since you guys are the ones who kind of started to make a consistent tournament, how would you say yeah. tournament play differs from your weekly groups kind of style of play? Because I feel like we have painted you guys as this like, cutthroat they play every week they don't care about eliminating anybody <laughs> yeah. and i don't know that we've actually done you guys any sort yeah. of service in like telling the truth yeah i there. mean how true is that yeah, yeah. Or, yeah. or just these cutthroat monsters yeah. that don't have any fun and sit there <laughs> quietly staring at each other yeah no. for six hours no talking <laughs> yeah yeah cigarettes like ah yeah all right uh no um so so the tournament scene it, it's kind of weird because since we started running it we haven't been playing in the tournament. Of course, yeah. So, so, so we're we we've kind of got this running commentary going in our head, and and one of the things we really try to do, really try to do in the tournaments, because you know we encountered it in tournaments run by other groups and and very much disliked it, and that's when the game master or the official had any kind of strategic input. Ooh. Oh, right. wow. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, so. You know, someone asks a rules question, and you just answer the rules yes, question. Yes, definitely. You know, you don't, you don't, you don't unintentionally or intentionally give them any kind of advice. Uh, so that's that's one thing that we really, really try our best to do. We try to be impartial and try just to answer the rules questions and just move the game along mechanically. Um, but of course, we've got our internal commentary running the whole time and we all have notes about you know the different games we gm'd and what player made this crazy move sure, we'd never yeah. seen before there's a text and, chain and that... between the three of you that is just non-stop all day <laughs> i can't believe that jolnar did this yeah yeah i mean we we get to spectate and we get to see things that just don't happen at home right yeah because you know you you get playing with the same players over and over again and there are there are beats that you hit yeah regularly oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I mean, if and, anything, honestly, I, I want to jump in here because we haven't talked about this yet. That is the role Hunter and I are hoping to uh, fill for, yes, for to the community at large. People, uh, we're so we're incredibly thankful that you guys have kind of devoted your energy and time to like making sure this tournament is a comfortable and, and you know, fair experience. And I think it's become our goal to kind of supplement you guys and and get your side of the story out there which is like yeah you guys have for years gotten to see how all these other players interact and if anything it made all of you guys better players because you get to just see new yeah. plays that maybe you've never seen and so for us a big part of that is like let's get in there and let's show everybody what that is and, that, and that's a big part of like what we're hoping to capture with our gen con footage is like all of that impartial just like oh my gosh did you just see what they did isn't that insane yeah. wow what a play or whatever you know i think hunter and i just want to become the the sports commentators of this ti <laughs> tournament that would be fantastic have color, color commentary on the uh ti tournament i know i know some of the play that that kind of took us as surprise that we weren't used to in our home group uh was the way that uh objectives are kind of bartered yes isn't that so? right? i mean we used to do that and we eventually really put like a stifle to it but it still sounds like it is so prevalent and for some people it is like integral to the game is like your ability yeah. to barter 
objectives between each other. Yeah, like that 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 would that really took us by surprise when we started running it. How much of that we saw of people, you know, negotiating with their neighbors, say, "Oh, well, I I want to get this point, and if I take this planet from you and you take this planet from me, we can kind of negotiate out of a war." <laughs> Hunter's making such uh, a disgusted face right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> our home table meta game, we blockade points like nobody's business like if we see if we even have an inkling of an idea that oh he's going for this secret objective or he's going for that public objective we do everything in our power to keep anyone from scoring points uh but that that was a lot looser in the in the tournament play and a lot Mm -hmm. freer with those points for people which was exciting because it was very different it is exciting i will point out to to the the listeners at home we're talking to the person who has won or gotten second place in multiple tournaments and he puts a kibosh on those types of plays so while in our king making <laughs> and all those types of uh episodes we decided well it's up to the player and it's not bad etiquette it still remains bad strategy because the people who win don't let that crap slide yeah that's what we do on this show <laughs> we invite someone on to leverage yes. their personality <laughs> To back up our own theories. Oh, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that being said, I I do actually like trading support the throne you for another support monster. the throne. <laughs> <laughs> Particularly early. Yeah. Well, the that's the only time it makes sense. I'll 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 see that like in the earliest you can do it, the least predictions you can make out of it. The later the support for the throne, the dirtier it is. So says yeah, so says like us. So says us. Um, so, what are, are there any other big ways you would say you feel your group differs from other groups you've seen? Especially now that, like, TI4s happened, and I, I don't know if you've recognized, like, a, a larger influx of people talking on, like, BGG and, and the subreddit. Before TI4, I was kind of only active on the subreddit and never really talked on the, on the Board Game Geek forums, but have since yeah. become more active. And I, I was kind of curious if you've seen a larger, since you've been around you know, the TI community forever, uh, what kind of influx you've seen and if you've seen kind of any major shifts in player dynamics and how they talk about the game. I mean, there has been a big influx of new players, that's for sure. Like, the excitement about the new game has been fantastic. Uh, And seeing those communities kind of build up again, you know, because having... What what did you say? That TI3 had been out for, what, 13 years? Yeah, 2005. Wow. Yeah, so, so, you know, it... It was getting kind of long in the teeth, and that the community was pretty, pretty much the same people you saw online yeah. most of the time. Uh, so getting all this new energy and new ideas in there is super exciting. Uh, I mean, one of the things that I've had a lot of fun exploring recently is the the Discord and seeing play on Tabletop Simulator. That's been really cool. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I'm interested to see how the number of games that are able to be played on there might contribute to the meta game and the play Definitely. styles that develop. Yeah, I mean, you, right, you, we, the, we hear the volume from, of games. Exactly, we hear from multiple players that it's like what unaligned Magi is playing every day at this point. It seems like, like I hear from him. Oh yeah, he, he's an like, addict, man. Yeah, he's complete, <laughs> it's it's getting kind of scary. If anything, like unaligned Magi, we need we need to talk, buddy. Slow like, down, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> You're scaring your family. <laughs> but like, it's getting close to the volume that like a, a computer game might see. Yeah, yeah, and that because of that, it could evolve as far as like the meta. It could evolve much faster than TI3 did, for sure. Right. I, I want to ask uh, a very basic question. Actually, I've got two sure. questions. Um, I, the first one is just kind of a 
why why Twilight Imperium? Like, why have you been hardcore into this game for this long? And also, what? Because you're maybe the only person I we will probably ever have on the show where this question has any meaning whatsoever. <laughs> What's your favorite edition of Twilight Imperium? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah so why Twilight Imperium? Uh, I've been a science fiction fan since I was a little kid, and I was also a tabletop board gaming fan from my early days. Uh, mm-hmm. um, my parents got me into like Risk and Axis and Allies. Mm-hmm. Ooh. And the, 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 yeah, the early editions of TI were more or less Axis and Allies in space. Right. So, like, TI1, TI2, you didn't have the command counters. You didn't have the threaded turns. Uh, you still had the modular board, uh, and you had a you had an objective track instead of the right. objective cards. So it you had to go through a... much more stable win condition. It was just like everyone was gunning yeah. for the same thing. That's right. That's right. Uh, and so... That move from TI two to TI three was a watershed. Like, yeah. I remember the first the first night we opened up our our copy of TI three, sat down and tried to learn it. We spent about two hours, couldn't figure it out at all, and then <laughs> finally someone understood how command counters worked. Right. We completely reset and played a whole game until like six o'clock the next morning. Wow. Wow. <laughs> and yeah. and we're just hooked. Yeah. Uh, so. Uh, so far, TI4 is my favorite edition of the game. I obviously have a huge amount of playtime with TI3 and absolutely loved it, but TI4 is just, you know, to me, TI4 is TI3 revised edition. Yeah, absolutely. It's just, it's just better. Uh, they took out a lot of stuff that wasn't super well implemented, Yeah, and they cleaned things up. It's so funny, too, because when the, when the game was first announced and kind of the rulebook was posted... I saw that as one of the major complaints was like, oh, this just feels like TI 3.5. It's like, well, that's all we needed is like <laughs> TI 3 was almost a perfect game, except for it was incredibly clunky and there were all these weird exceptions to rules. And so it's like all mm-hmm. any of us really ever wanted was just like, can we please clean up the rule book, but keep everything else? And and like I, you probably agree with with this because it feels like we're coming from the same point here is all the rule sets that I included in my TI3 games every single one of those got kept in TI4 and all the stuff that was like oh maybe we'll play with that every once in a while got left behind like the only rule that I would want still kept in is artifacts but in a way Mm -hmm. artifacts are still there because there's lots of different types of control planet objectives so like spiritually yeah. i would say they're still there so if if anything like i'm playing the same game i played with ti3 but now i don't have to answer a dozen rules questions every single round yeah i think it's it's funny the way uh the designers snuck some of those options into the agenda deck yes exactly you know you know they, they, they kind of like pirated them in there and we're like oh well we're not gonna make it like a full-blown rule set, but we're just going to make them like like writer cards. Right. The writer cards are just the representatives, or exactly. what were they called in TI3? They're just that, a little lighter, but sn- they, they snuck them into that yeah. mechanic. And you don't, you don't need to learn... Mechanic. You don't need to learn a page's worth of like rules explanations to do it. It's just a card that has the same effect. Exactly. They offload that rules weight to the action card instead of having a whole section of the book that tells you right. what to do to do writers. Right. right. That I love that part and that that the design philosophy. You can see that throughout the game. Right. Uh, one of the other big things that I love about what they did with TI4 is is. You know, whenever TI3 said no, TI4 says yes. Uh-huh. 
Yeah. I think that's what we we basically like applauded Dane Beltrami to his face in, yeah. in our interview with him, but, but like <laughs> couldn't agree more with that point mm-hmm. of just like let him do it. Yeah, yeah. Ti four yeah. is the is an excellent improv partner. All it says is yes, saying. <laughs> yeah. So like you know, Ti three said, "Oh, you can't shoot PDS through wormholes." Ti four said, "Why not? Go yeah. ahead." Uh, Ti three said, "Oh, the SAR can't build when they move." Ti four said, "Sure, they can. Yeah. Why not? That's yeah. what there's what that's, that's their the point. superpower. Why right. not let them have it?" Right. right. Um, <clears throat> And it, that you can see that throughout the game, and I love it. What, Michael, have you seen? What is a play you've seen another player do at go. one of your tournaments that really sticks out to you as like, wow, that's crazy, and I'd never thought about that before? Yeah. Best play of all time yeah. as per... Not a play of the week. Play of all time, forever, and ever, by the, <laughs> the authority. Yeah. <laughs> the authority, Michael. I've seen a lot of player elimination at the tournament. Really? Ooh. That's yeah. fun. That's cool. We had a Ghost of Creus player in one of the qualifying games completely eliminate uh, the Hakan. Whoa! Yeah. Who were his neighbor? Who were his neighbors to to his left? Uh, and and like, it it was funny. Like I don't remember all the details, but it was like he killed him and got paid to do it. Kind oh, of wow. stuff. It was like he <laughs> oh, wow. he won and won more. Uh, some some of the some of the meta we've seen in the qualifying rounds, uh, I, I don't know what it'll look like this year, but in previous years we've had we've had some people register who were just kind of like, oh, I'd like to play some TI and <laughs> sat down at a competitive right. game and and they they got preyed upon, right? Right, more than they bargained for. Yeah, so that that's some of the elimination we saw in the qualifying rounds. Haven't seen that in any of the championships. Yeah. How often does player elimination happen in your like weekly just you and your friends games oh it's crazy rare yeah gotcha. yeah it's yeah. it's so there you go it's there's crazy already rare. something we've like misexplained about your group but but just to prove the point of like you can play weekly for 13 years and almost never see player elimination right it's, it's just it's not an a you don't have the incentive to do i can probably count it on one hand wow. the number of times we saw a player elimination in yeah. ti3 uh we've seen it maybe twice in ti4 so far Thing. I mean, that's even more than I, yeah yeah <laughs> they happened what there was yeah. that one game with you with sar that got it was on the verge. Wild, yeah but then that was pretty much it yeah yeah the sar the sar are a common faction to get eliminated oh, which yeah. is what i that love about the them honestly i think too. that's that's just the flavor of them now is they're just this on the brink of extinction that's what it is they're, yeah, the, they're, they're hanging the on a prayer yeah 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 that that impermanence of their docks was always a thing like that yeah. that was always a, our big complaint in ti3 was that it was almost like they just had this big handicap, and right. and because they couldn't build when they moved, it wasn't actually all that big of a bonus. No. To right? They didn't. You didn't <laughs> have incentive to move your space stocks. You had no incentive to do it because it was not going to help you. Sar played in their pie slice and had no faction advantages. That's how I thought about Sar for the longest time. Is like they actually have no yep. racial advantages. Yeah, it was like they had that trade good planet thing, and that right. was their deal. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Well, awesome, Michael. Thanks for thanks for joining us. Thank you for outlining some of the tournament. Thank you for hosting the tournament. Yeah. Uh, we we are. Yeah, I cannot I express how much we are looking forward to being there this year and being I able to look into it, and especially just knowing like. I feel like this will be the first opportunity we have to see how much momentum is behind this new Twilight Imperium community. Um, I, I think that's yeah. a big thing 
for for us even in starting the podcast and and wanting to do stuff like this is like we just want to keep pushing people to to try to do more and i think this will be the first time we see if those people are there and ready to respond to that and and want to we find out how many people yeah, want to play like, Twilight Imperium. <laughs> I want to see people who yeah. disagree with us play in the tournament, doing things that we told them didn't work yeah. and win. With exactly. Them. That's what I'm, I'm really, looking forward yeah. to. I want oh, yeah. like oh, yeah. I listened to the episode and I knew you guys were wrong, and I'm here, here in Indianapolis to show you yeah. how wrong you are. <laughs> That's what I want. If if a Yin Brotherhood player wins, wins the, the TI tournament, tournament. it's yeah. just like that will be the greatest. I feel like we have to end the podcast That'll be the because se- the series yeah, finale. Exactly. We we did it, folks. <laughs> That's a wrap. We've packed up. <laughs> yeah, it'll be it'll be very satisfying to be proven wrong. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Oh, it most certainly will. Well, thank you, Michael. I think we're gonna wrap it up there, and uh, we'll we'll see you in Indianapolis in a couple months, bud. Ooh, yeah, I can't wait. Oh yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's gonna be great fun, uh, and this this has been a pleasure. You guys are great to talk to. Thank you, yeah, Michael. Of course. Thank, thank you. Uh, welcome to Space Cats Goof 'em Ups. Goof 'em Ups. Goof 'em Ups. Come on down to Goof 'em Up City. Missed ups, messed ups, wrongdoings. <laughs> that was good. Missteps, must ups, and wow, I can't. Messed up. Hold on. All right, Moose. missteps, mess ups, and wrongdoings with missteps, Hunter Donaldson. <laughs> mess ups and wrongdoings <laughs> with old Hunter Donaldson. Old home on the range, Hunter Donaldson. <laughs> Uh, yep, we've got some good down-home corrections to some stuff. Uh, first one is uh, contractually... Ob- oh, this is, of course, is for the flagship episode from uh, last week. Uh, how'd you guys like all that dice rolls? Woo! We've heard no and yes. Yes, we, we, have, we have certainly heard good and also not good. Good. So well, we ne- will modify... Next time we're going to do even, we're going to roll to speak even. Right. We're gonna roll, Every- I'm going to roll <laughs> charisma to see if we come up with a funny bit at the beginning. <laughs> and we have negative three each to charisma. Yep. So it's going to be really good for you. Um, first errata is from Jada Paik. This is contractually obligated. We do not stand by having to read out any of these words. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that's mm-hmm. what that means. Mm-hmm. Um, we are prisoners of Jada Paik's making. Yes. Love it. Which is, should be the new name of the podcast. Anyways. Uh, Jada Paik, the van huge is possibly, or is objectively, the best flagship, not the Genesis. Uh, the Genesis is the sole one, the van huge is the, um, yin one. You get where this is going. <laughs> Let's say you have 17 boxers of varying skill. You know any of the... <laughs> <laughs> okay, yes, this is... Okay. One is an infant... <laughs> One All right, is Muhammad no, stop, Ali. Stop, stop. Okay, we've got it. Uh, so let's say you have seventeen boxers of varying varying skill. You know, any of these seventeen could win a given fight under favorable circumstances. However, only sixteen fighters can lose a fight. One fighter will remain undefeated in every single fight they participate in, no matter what. At best, other fighters can fight him to a draw. Who's the best boxer in the group? Obviously, it's the one that can never be defeated. No boxer can claim to be better. The best they can hope for is to be the equal of the best boxer. They can't be better. Well, thank you so much, Jada, for the boxer analogy. I will say that it was very useful. Yes. And really helped paint that picture for me. It really painted a strong picture, and we did not just 
yeah, and we needed that now to see. It might be just as accurate to say that really what happens is that one of the boxers in the middle of the fight beats himself to a bloody pulp <laughs> along with the other boxer. I, I think it's it is equivalent to um No, no, wait, no, this is what it is. They're in the middle of the fight and the boxer quits. Right. It's your Boxing. it's it's your really annoying redheaded childhood friend that you were never actually friends with, but they're the ones who had a Sega Genesis. Mm-hmm. And you go over to their house, or they you know, you, you go over there to play games with them, and as soon as you're you know, beating them in anything, they just say, Nope, I I don't want to play this game anymore and they turn it off and they walk away and they make you feel really awkward for being at their house. Yeah, their, ha- their house is weird. Their house smells. It's got a different smell than yours. Yeah. You're not comfortable being in the same room as their, like, mom and dad because it's not your mom and dad. This is right. your first sleepover you've ever been right, to. But, but then, like, the dad, like, doesn't wear pants. Yeah. You know, and it's like, dude, Is that I'm appropriate here. at right. all? Yeah. Right. Like, I can see right. your tidy whities and yeah. I am a someone else's child. Yeah, and he's wearing a big Ed Hardy shirt, and he's got, <laughs> it's got a lot of, bunch of stains on it, and... <laughs> He's drinking a beer, and it's like, my dad doesn't drink beer yeah, around me. exactly. Yeah, my dad only drinks whiskey This is what you me. do, Jodapake. This is what the van huge... This is what the huge van does, is it puts other people yeah. in really uncomfortable situations. They're not the best boxer in the group. They're just the ones that are willing to turn off the game. Also, like, like I get I, I get what you're saying, that the boxer can never be defeated, and, and that's great. But they what can, if, though. They, they what, just take the other no, person no, no, down. No, 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 no. Uh, let's let's right. give them that. Sure. Let's give them that. What if instead you had a boxer that was just so good, just mo- which is won all the time, right? Like never lost, right? Because it was such a good, such a good boxer. Sure, you know. Sure, yeah. The the boxer you're describing that can't lose also only wins due to comp- everyone else around them. Right. They have the best management team. It will be more. And they accurate. rig fights for them better. Right. 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 <laughs> it would be more accurate to say that the van. The Van Huge is a boxer that frequently causes a draw. Yes. Like, it's like, would you rather Pretty win frequently only. or mostly draw? I want to say this. Getting away from analogies, the Van Hug never wins of its own accord. Ever. Never, ever. It rolls two on a nine. It is yeah. a bad ship. It is the worst flagship statistically. Yeah. But it has the stupid ability that makes it neutral. We are going off on this, and everyone knows that the end result is we don't agree with Jada Pake. Let's move on. Right. This right. is dumb. And Jada this doesn't care that we don't Jada agree. Why don't we take that so seriously? <laughs> We're idiots. All right. <laughs> next one. All right. This one is another contractual obligation. We got more space kitties, folks. Yeah. The, 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 yeah. the, the litter box is getting a little full. We got to yeah, buy new cat poop. litter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this one is from our illustrious chancellor in mac we trust in mac we trust gave us a long post uh, kind of in defense of the wrath of kanara uh, we basically painted the wrath of kanara as essentially the worst flagship mm-hmm. now i feel like maybe the point that was uh, not stated well enough for us or by us because uh, uh robofish also had some stuff to say on our B- our board game geek guild um it's not that the Wrath of Kanara is a horrible flagship. It's that the Hakan have basically no use for it. Mm-hmm. Most people were very happy to point out that if you compare it to the Sardak Nor flagship, it is worse. It's just worse. You have right. to pay for a plus one, right. whereas theirs is just an automatic plus one. In Mac We Trust tried to say the, the, the flexibility of it is what makes it better, but you can't say it's flexible when it is also still just a worse Ship. It's still two on a seven. Like, by itself, it's just not a great 
ship. It is improving your fleet in that, yes, you can spend your trade goods not on stuff that is important later, but on a couple hits. In Mac We Trust, main point is that it gives Hakan the choice to make, essentially. It allows them to leverage their strength in another way. Uh, basically saying, I guess, that if Hakan is controlling the economy... Uh, that they can build the ship, the, the flagship, to focus on right. combat. They they can use it. Is it is yet another way that Hakan can take their advantage and make it more and more flexible. Right. And I think looking at it in that way, there is some value. To There's it. a little bit of value, to it, but it is it is never it is still something I will almost never buy because. And I, I think I want to jump ahead to someone else's points, which is uh, this is quite a doozy of an, a name. I'm just going to spell it out. JGNYOH58717 said, I do things way more dumber myself. When figuring <laughs> if a flagship is bad or unbad, I usually just ask myself, is this flagship better now or in the future compared to two dreads? While it isn't a perfect comparison, it can help. Turtle boys almost always end up wanting a flagship if it, at most stages of the game, and the money lions almost always want the two dreads. The point here is, this is what I agree with completely, is any other faction can just get two dreadnoughts instead of a right, flagship. Right. And if your ability is so good or so integral to your other abilities, it might be better than two dreadnoughts. The extra is like the perfect example. The right. extra want that flagship more than any other faction right, on the right. board. But yeah, two dreadnoughts is way better than X, Wrath then of Kanara. then the Wrath yeah. of Kanara. Yeah. The only exception to that rule would be if you're starting to have a fleet supply issue. Then it's right. like, okay, I get it. I get why you might need the flagship instead of something else. You've got a lot of money to spend and you want a decent ship. Or I guess if maybe you're really like you're having such a good game as a sure. con that you got trade goods you don't know what to do. In that way it is the win more. But in situation. that way you should probably save them even for stage two objectives. Right. Though, that's you know? that's my biggest yeah. counterpoint is like I don't see that many games where Hakan is just like easily paying sixteen resources. I have forty trade Yeah, goods. no, it's like you need to hold on you should always hold on to money if you can, because those yeah, stage you two need objectives like are no 16 joke. Sixteen for those straight stage yeah, two. It's yeah. huge. Ten trade goods just for the actual trade good objective. Like it's it's a lot of money and I I would rather hold on to my money for that than like to waste it on some hits. I get the argument that like when it comes up and is important, but you have to have already spent eight resources to give yourself the opportunity to have that moment of like, ooh, if I spend one more trade good, I can score one more hit, and that could be the difference of success and failure. But those are such crazy odds to spend definitely eight resources on and then more. It just doesn't become worth it for us pretty much ever. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to... It's... I just can't you can't get me on Wrath of Kanara. I mean, I'm never going to get it in my games as Hakan. Unless, yeah, I mean, unless, like we said, right. if you have the flagship objective, it's not like it's a horrible flagship to have when you have that objective. It will help you win a fight right, with right. it and, and score that objective. That's totally fine. But that was our point, is you only get it when you need it for that. You're, it's not helping you do any other strategy especially well. Yeah. All right, next one is from... <laughs> Boy, uh, you guys got some fun names this week. X I X L X I X Llama X I X. Oh, you you did that is it? X I X. I couldn't decode it. X I X. That's it. Llama X I X. It's like an old. It's like a username from like 2004. Yeah. I mean, I bet they have had this username since. Right, right. It's from AOL Instant Message. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So. so uh, fun fact: If you spend 12 resources on Genesis plus eight fighters. That also hits harder than 12 resources worth of War Sun. Average of 2.8 hits per round versus 2.4 hits. That is a fun fact. Ah, that is fun. That's the only reason I brought it in there. I'm having fun. That's, I mean, it, I, I, 
that shows how good the Genesis is. Like, the Genesis may be the best ship in the game. I wish they had given it to anybody else. Like, anybody else. I know, it's so annoying. they had given it to, like, Sardak. Right. That would be cool. That would be really cool. I kind of just want to, like, splice off some of Sol's abilities and give them to Sardak. <laughs> That's what I want, actually. Yeah. Anyways, so <laughs> the last one we've got is from Board Game Geek Guild, and it is from Dear Robofish. Dear, our Dear Robofish. As for the tribes, this is the Yasarl tribes and their flagship. Um, it is indeed a very useful ship. You'll, if you'll remember, we categorized the Yasarl tribes' ship as just, it's just a good ship. Like, it's yeah. just such a good ship. Yeah. The ability is almost the least important part of it. Not that we, I think maybe people thought we said the ability wasn't good. Yeah. Which isn't the case, but here is a great reason why the ability is still good. Um, its real power lies in its potential. Assuming it is cruising with a fleet of dreadnoughts with a screen or uh, a powerful group that stays together, but your opponents must always be prepared that you might detach the flagship and make a run at a critical objective, like their home system. If their home system isn't covered at all times, you can just turn up. Given gravity drive, this has a huge reach. From Mechatol, it can reach anywhere, but even from your pie slice, you can threaten two other players. You probably won't, but you might. Right. And, and I think that is really the power of the Isarl. I mean, the Isarl ship is already great. It helps every fleet it's a part of because it's a f truly great ship, and it makes your opponents play against it. Mm -hmm. You, I still stand by. You probably will never use it to jump through stuff and like score that one thing. You might use it one time in a game, and it might be your winning play. Like again, it's one of those things where it's like that might be the game maker. Right, right. But it's not something you're using a lot. But the threat definitely is there all game. Everyone will always be afraid of that ship I, just jumping through and taking a plane. I wish I had capacity five. Yeah, I would That's be. That's what I want. That, yeah, because you want it to be fighters and I want a couple to be really good. Forces. Yeah, I want to be able to bring. Some because I do I, I I dig what Robofish is saying and it is it is cool to kind of get in your opponent's heads but I do feel like I don't know having your opponent think about that is good but if they are thinking about that they probably are do Defending. adequately have enough ground right. forces on or them, or know? one PDS with plasma scoring yeah like you have to bring two fighters Just or something you could now. bring a little yeah. more you can't bring enough ground forces usually to take something it is pretty easy to put a stop to but it it is still going to take advantage of anything that is weakly defended and yeah. having it near that spot scares that person quite right. a lot and right. yeah that's that is a huge power uh, and that's pretty much it. We we spent so much of the episode doing just total junk that there wasn't much to errata because the episode itself was probably 20 minutes of material so not not a lot to errata or yeah. we just nailed it we just nailed it we're just think, so good at flagships i mean i think we did nail it yeah. i think that i choose to believe that what <laughs> happened was that we know flagships like the back of our hands <laughs> well uh let's you want to do some rundown you can go for tweeter space cats pod is our twitter you can go there for game updates and announcements our Facebook is called Space Cats Beast Turtles, and you go there for announcements and questions. We post every week in the Reddit Twilight Imperium uh, for every episode. We bother everyone who was there just to have a good time. Right, we, we bother them, every week. and we're like, give us discussion now. <laughs> uh, Board Game Geek Guild, uh, we have one. <laughs> we sure do. It's and there. you can discuss stuff, and there's a calendar there. That gets changed all the time. Yep. Um, you can never correct. Right. The calendar is never Never right. correct. I'm not even sure why it exists. Um, <laughs> you can email us at spacecatspeaceturtles at gmail, uh, and that is the place that we love for you to send this Imperium Life and Play of the Week stories. 
Um, we have a Patreon, Space Cats Peace Turtles. If you would like to contribute to us, please do. Um, help make the podcast better and also help us in our goal to record the Gen Con tournament. Yeah, wink, wink. Which is what this which whole is, episode well, was about. That's the whole thing. Maybe we should have even emphasized that more already, but we haven't. Too bad. <laughs> you can go to our Discord uh, for fun conversation, but also not fun conversation. Sometimes, sometimes really in heated debates. And... Sometimes there are hills yeah. and people <laughs> die on them. Uh <laughs> There's no that it's it's great. I love our Discord. Um, we have Patreon benefits as well. Uh, you can rate us on your podcast app, especially please rate us on Apple Podcasts slash iTunes. That helps with the show and people seeing it and stuff. And I want to do some. I want to thank some Patreoners real quick. I want to thank illustrious Chancellor in Mac we trust for upgrading his contribution. I want to thank the Commander. I want to thank Rolo, Ledgerman of the Cones, and Green Squad Leader. Thank, thank, you. You. thank, thank you. Thank you, thank you, Patreoners. Thank you. Um, we got we got a fun play of the week. We were gonna do a play of the week from Blarknob about um, his 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 big play that we always talk up, but the truth of the matter is there's just not enough. It was too long ago. The details of it aren't there anymore, and it we we can't make it much of a play of the week. So instead, we've got this really good one from Chief Ulf Sark. Uh, we've been we've been sitting on this one for a few weeks, and uh, it's it goes some places maybe you're not expecting. Um, <clears throat> It was round five, and my battle with the necrovirus had been going on for what seemed like ages. My extra scientist had developed nullification field, which of course meant that the necrovirus had nullification field. I was racing for the win and needed every edge I could possibly gain. The public objectives were hard to reach, but I secretly needed to occupy the same space as an empty space dock. The virus swarmed their system like a beehive, but I felt a glimmer of hope when their flagship left the system to fight a sole fleet. I had one cruiser within reach, but with cards to make it a fair fight. I knew that if I go in with just a cruiser, he will know something is up and turn on the nullification field. So I had to bait it out of him. I send my cruiser to another system within reach and with a large enough fleet to make it seem equally suspicious. I hope to the great turtle god that he doesn't call my bluff. He asks me, what do you hope to gain from this? I force a giggle and say, you'll see. The necro player shrugs and goes, all right, it's your funeral, and initiates the battle. My heart fell as I produce a smile and fight him with my single cruiser, knowing that the lonesome ship and my entire plan was doomed. Don't it suck when you get your bluff called? Oh, man, when they call my bluff like that and I end up wasting a token. I love this actually happened. I wanted to use this one because this happened to me in a game uh, just two days ago. You did this. I did. I it wasn't with nullification field, but it was we had we had each other ceasefires, and he targeted my stuff. And I looked at the board and I said, "You don't really have any fleets that can come there. Are you just trying to burn my thing? Well, you go right ahead and go in that system. He got one planet off me, but he then didn't." send a huge you know he didn't have the big fleet to send in later which was obviously the big plan was right. to get it was extra so i knew his goal was to just get the flagship up in my business mm -hmm. so it's just so fun it's the most it's the most satisfying thing in the world to just you know what i'm not going to use that ability because i can see that you were really planning on me right. doing anything that isn't what someone expected right even if it doesn't necessarily benefit you that much yeah it's so satisfying when they're just like no but Weren't you going to do the thing? Yeah, it's fun doing things that people don't expect, like turning off the record button. <laughs> no, but don't, I don't. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Space Cat's Peace Turtles. And thanks to Ben Prunty for the use of his music. 
You can find more at benpruntymusic.com and benprunty.bandcamp.com. Pax Magnifica, Bellum Gloriosum. <laughs>